Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. So today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Julie Hine about the relevance and importance of dressing for success in a post-pandemic world. And I should have said, I'm not sure if we're totally in a post-pandemic world yet, but we are in the post-emergency. We're still in the pandemic in some ways, but how to deal with that in terms of dressing for success. So Julie, could you introduce yourself for the Take On Board community? Thank you so much, Halia. It's just such a pleasure to be on your program. How would I? I am actually a presentation and personal branding mentor. So some people might call it executive stylist. In terms of what do I do, I am an image consultant essentially and a certified image professional at that. So I have been doing this for a long time and I consult with senior executive women, women in leadership, women of influence, women who are in positions where they feel it's important for them to present well to actually project the right impression. And it helps mm. them feel confident and self-assured as well. Excellent. Thank you. Um, and in fact, I think you were a board member and maybe also secretary of, of the professional association, I guess it is, the Association of Image Consultants International, the Australia Board. Correct. It's an international organisation and that's where my accreditation comes from. It's a, like, a little bit like being a CPA, you know, how you have to have continuing education units well we have to do that too which is why it is actually deemed a profession it's not just a hobby and we take it very seriously but we have various chapters all over the world and yes I was have been on the board for the Australian chapter oh it's interesting I'm normally talking about people's board experience here and today it's slightly different we're talking about a subject matter expertise but just because you are on the board how did you find your time on the board of that professional association it was very interesting and having been doing this for quite some time, it, the task was really to try and increase membership and try and help other consultants coming on board to really find their way and mm. educate them. We were also doing educational 
presentations to present out to the whole community as well. And we're there as a sounding board for other chapters around the globe as well and to interact with them. So we do like to support each other a lot. But yes, like any other board, there are protocols involved and procedures we have to follow and rules we have to follow yeah. and communications and everything else. So it was, uh, you know, there's a responsibility that goes along with that. Absolutely, there is. So uh, well done you on stepping up to that responsibility because these sorts of organisations can only thrive when people do step up into them. So um, thank you for your service there. Before we delve into dressing for success, I always like to delve a little bit deeper about the guest that I have with me today. So can you tell me a story about young Julie that tells us a little bit about how you got to where you are today? I had a privileged upbringing. I did go to a private girls' school and I was also a very shy person. But when I when I left school, I, you know, and went to university, I really, I went into the hospitality arena. And so it was very easy for me to, to fall into a pattern of dressing in a professional way. So you can just put on a suit and everything's fine. Because as I was growing up as a teenager, I actually was very much into sport. I used to ride horses a lot. And so I was always in jodhpurs and, you know, that was really easy for me. But as you start going out and going to parties and I just didn't know what to wear, I had no idea how to dress Mm. because that was just totally alien to me. My mother wasn't really a fashionista. She was a traditional Fletcher Jones woman. So I really had no idea. And so when I went started to work, it was very easy for me to just fit into a mould. But then I still had this problem of, well, how do I dress outside of that mould? And so it was really, really challenging for me. And I've struggled with it for ages until I actually started to get into this whole field that I'm in now. And what I did was I actually employed another image consultant to come and help me. Mm-hmm. You did this as a was this as a teenager? No, older than a no, teenager. No, when I was older than a teenager, because I went sort of from university, I went straight into work. So I, it made it mm-hmm. very easy for me to just, yeah. you know, fit this mold of horse riding on the weekend, you know, working yes. through the week. And so my wardrobe was pretty set. I didn't well, uniforms. There's out. uniforms everywhere by exactly. the sounds of things. Exactly. Yeah. But it was when you had to step outside of that that things became a little more mm-hmm. challenging and a little more difficult. Fashion wasn't something that I had traditionally followed. So although I was interested in it, I had no idea. I absolutely had no idea. So I had to mm-hmm. learn. And, yeah, it was it was challenging. I was always very classic, very traditional style dresser, and that was the influence of my mother. Yes. So I had to learn to get out of that and to explore things in a different way. Okay. Well, let's delve into some of that then. And it's so interesting even hearing your reflection about the influence of your mother. We do often hear... When I'm asking people about their backgrounds as board directors, I so often hear, unsurprisingly, about the influence of their parents and family on people getting involved in the community or getting involved in boards and governance. And of course, that influence extends to what you might wear into the boardroom of those organisations. So you're an image consultant. The take on board community are largely in the boardroom or seeking to be in the boardroom, what's your advice to them, I guess, about the relevance and importance of dressing for success in a, not quite yet, but uh, in a pandemic world and hopefully soon to be post-pandemic world? Mm, Well, 
interestingly, you know, when the pandemic hit, women particularly were thrown into a little bit, and women in leadership and people in leadership generally, you know, when we were thrown into this virtual world of having to conduct meetings online, and particularly for women who were putting on several hats throughout the day, they were homeschooling, they were trying to deal with all sorts of different things. And so the whole thing about well, what am I supposed to be wearing every day? How do I present for my meetings now? became very, very challenging. So I did partner with someone else and we did a whole series of webinars on how to actually, in a virtual world, how to digitise your leadership presence and actually still remain relevant, appear attractive. And I use that word very carefully because Mm. people have different connotations of what that word attractive means. But, you know, it's about showing up with respect, showing up still well-groomed, still well-presented, still engaged, still in that work mindset and being able to engage the audience irrespective of whether you have a screen in front of you or not. Mm -hmm. So we still think about the style of dress that you're wearing, even if it's from the waist up, how you Mm -hmm. accessorise yourself, how you groom yourself, the colours that you wear. Do you wear patterns or do you not wear patterns? What's your background look like? Is that distracting? You know, what accessories are you wearing? Are they distracting or are they enhancing the whole thing? So there's there was a whole host of topics that were discussed throughout this whole webinar series, which, you know, women just flocked to. We, we presented to over 700 women, I think, throughout the pandemic on this whole range of things about how to still project your executive presence when you're in a virtual world. But Coming out of that into a face to, more face-to-face world, what's happening now is that women are very confused mm. because the dress code ethos that we all grew up with, you know, yes. in terms of professional dress, business casual, social casual, etc., has all just been thrown up in the air and is all falling down all over the place. So yes. women are really a little bit unsure as to, well, how should I dress now when I go into the boardroom? Should I still dress professionally or can I afford to take it down a notch or two and what does that look like and body shapes changed over that time too because I've put on weight or I've you know I don't feel like my wardrobe that I had before the pandemic is truly representative of who I am now so how do I fix that who am I now so there's a whole lot of questions that women are are facing for themselves now coming out of this and it's very interesting to see how women are reacting to all the new season fashions that are coming through and designs that are coming through. And they're very curious and keen to try new things and to break the mould almost. So it's quite exciting in some cases. Oh, my gosh, there's already so much in there I want to delve into. Uh, It's so interesting. So, I mean, I know for me, post-pandemic, as I say, hopefully, whatever phase we're in at the moment, not quite post-pandemic, there's certainly been changes like you described, there was changes to what I did and what my office looked like for a pandemic world, you know. Podcast listeners can't see behind me. Julie can right now. But, you know, there's plants behind me. There's my banner behind me, all of that sort of stuff, which wasn't there in 2019. I noticed, again, ironically, I'm not doing it today, but I usually wear a lighter top because it contrasts more with my hair. And if you wear darker things, it's hard to see that on screen. So I... I, you know, there are a number of things. Flat shoes. I'm not sure I'll ever go back to high heel shoes. I think I'll always remain in flat shoes. So there's some of those things. What I'm hearing is there's some of those things that now 
you know, it's translating again back to the real world or or to the hybrid world, whatever it may be. So, and I think I heard in there that, that women are experimenting with some more interesting things. Tell me about that. Well, I don't say women's values have necessarily changed, but their outlooks have changed. And, you know, why am I here and what am I doing? And I even mm. have some of my clients who are in very senior roles actually thinking about moving, and they are transitioning out of their very senior roles into private consulting roles. Mm -hmm. So it's all about the work-life balance. It's all about what am I doing? What's my focus? Where am I going? They have families. So it's about feeling like they're doing something of value with their lives, Mm -hmm. but they also want to feel like themselves, whatever that might be. They want to get out of a rut, get out of a style rut, get out of a traditional mould. And so they are, you know, they're willing to try things. They they want to see what's possible with their bodies and the work that they're doing and the people that they interact with. It really does open up doors to a lot of different things. And we will always still work with the traditional dress codes because for some industries they are still very necessary because we're talking about respect we're talking about predictability we're talking about trust and reliability you know Mm. when people go into those industries that's what they expect to see because Mm. that's what they represent so we have to be very careful that we don't try and break the molds where they need to be set in a certain way but then again there are rules that are made to be broken I always (laughs) tell my clients we have these style rules but they are they, we can break them, but we've just yes. got to do it carefully, you know, so that it looked really great. Interesting. Okay. So, again, I'm hearing in there, there are still some industries, you know, those, as, as you said, a bit more traditional. It sounds to me like there's those industries that still have a uniform, not an actual uniform, but essentially. The legal profession, the finance industry, and some of those very high net worth, you know, organisations, you know, where you would still expect to see people dressing in a certain way but there's Mm. a lot more creativity now that is filtering down through the ranks and you'll see look there are some very very senior people in large organizations that totally break the mold you know they Mm. I have one client who works for a very large global organization and she's a director who looks after the whole southern region and she just she said I can't do I can't do this wearing jeans to work Julie I just can't do it but she yes. said it's coming from the top. The CEO's doing it. So but she said, I just can't do it. I can't go beyond business casual. What's in my head yeah. is business casual. And I said, well, it's fine. You have to do what's comfortable for you and what gives exactly. you the confidence and ability to do what you do. And it's interesting, isn't it? So it sounds like things have broadened. The choice, in a way, has broadened. Totally has broadened. <laughs> and things, uh, you know, I would hate to be in a HR manager's shoes right now because there's a whole lot of things which are being challenged you know when it comes to and what was acceptable or what was previously unacceptable is is now potentially acceptable you know when it comes to what you wear when you go to the office it's so interesting and I wonder if that broadening out in some ways and we mentioned this very briefly before we hit record in some ways this topic makes me a little bit uncomfortable because it's, uh, you know, you said you use the word attraction, attractive, sorry, very advisedly, and I totally get the format in which you're using it. But it can be seen as, you know, you need to look a particular way. You have to wear the uniform, 
basically, the informal uniform. But it's interesting because what I'm hearing is the uniform is now much broader in a way and we can experiment more. But, uh, yeah, I'd be interested in your views around both of those things there, I guess. One, you know, as women, is this just yet another thing we have to spend more hard work on, much more hard work than the bloke putting his suit on? And what does this increased creativity mean for us? Okay, well... Does it create more work? No, I don't believe it does create more work because if you are a self-respecting individual, uh, Mm -hmm. you would have some sense of self-respect and pride to to know that when you leave the house or when you're meeting someone that you're going to be meeting them on the same level. You've taken a certain amount of time to dress yourself, groom yourself, present yourself so that you Mm -hmm. present an attractive image. Now, I I use that word very carefully because... You want to have a pleasant experience when you meet someone and you want them to have a pleasant experience of you. It goes against the grain if you wouldn't take the time and effort to present yourself in a way which is going to give the other person a pleasurable experience or pleasant experience, I should say. So, no, I don't think anyone is going to... The only time when it's going to trouble them and they are going to take more time in putting themselves together is if they don't have the pieces in their wardrobe that helps them put together a look which they feel comfortable and authentic Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And this is where we're at the crossroads because what's in wardrobes from post-pandemic now doesn't necessarily fit the bill for women and in some cases men too of how they feel they want to present themselves now because complacency has stepped in, because standards have relaxed, because everything has changed and people got very used to dressing down where if you think back um Helia when we used to come home from being out to work and you've been racing around and traveling or whatever and we get home and the first thing you do is you get out of your work clothes your shower and you put on something really nice and relaxing in your mm-hmm. home environment and that whew, just allowed you to relax okay <laughs> but over the pandemic everyone or not very many continued to dress in work clothes to work from mm. home. They dressed in their relaxing at-home yes. attire, which yes. for some people made it very challenging them for them to actually perform at the same level. Mm-hmm. So once they got used to dressing that way, now getting out of that habit to dress again to go out to do face-to-face meetings is extremely challenging. They're going, hang on a second, hmm, this is interesting. I don't feel comfortable getting into that very structured suit anymore. I don't feel comfortable putting on a jacket anymore. How can I do this so that I'm still looking business-like and professional, but I'm not looking out of character or not feeling like I'm out of character? So it's about trying to mix it up. It's it's about trying to repurpose what you've had before and morph it into something that you represent now or even if you've changed position, your roles and responsibilities might have changed so you you can afford to dress in a slightly different way. You can maybe Mm -hmm. add some more colour into wardrobe. You can relax the styles a little bit. They don't have to be quite so structured, not so formal. So there's a whole lot of things which people can think about changing or modifying in how they dress but still look smart, still look presentable, still look attractive, still look, you know, still Mm -hmm. be respectful. Of mm. other people that they're meeting, and I think that's mm. that's the key. The other question you were asking me was about: Is it going? What was the other question you were going to ask me about? Increased creativity, I guess, or increased, the increased fan. Yeah, yes, and that's that's the exciting thing because 
know, traditional professional workwear was the darker, cooler colours, you know, crisp white shirt, you know, a little bit of contrast. Look, that's still relevant. It's still very relevant, but I think there's a lot more personality that can be injected mm. into the way people dress for business now, which is, I think, aligns itself with this whole movement of different job roles and people moving out of one role into another and going out of corporate employment into private consulting. And there's just a whole lot of stuff going on out there. So it is all about projecting your personal brand so that you can really come across as being credible, confident, almost like you're a magnet to other people because that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about differentiating yourself and making yourself stand out so that you get noticed for the right reasons. It makes perfect sense. You know, and it's great to hear, I think, that there is that increased creativity. It's the sort of thing that once it's put in front of you, you're like, oh, dear, of course. You know, there is now different expectations. It is much wider lens of expectation, for want of a better word, or uniforms or whatever it may be that is available to people. You know, for women as well, because there's there are always those very stereotypical type looks and, you know, we can move away from those a little bit and become a little bit more comfortable in the way mm. we dress. Yeah, it gives more flexibility around that, that this part of the pandemic that we're in allows greater flexibility. So I think what I'm hearing is it's opportune in a way because there is greater flexibility around that. There is more range in the inverted commas, the uniforms that are available. And therefore, it's an opportunity for people to really review their own personal brand, their own personal preferences in that. How did you put it? The things that make them feel credible and confident. And then I think what I'm hearing then is then review what you've got. Have a look in the wardrobe, review what you've got. And that's the most painful thing for some of my clients <laughs> too is because they just hit a roadblock and they just look in their wardrobe and they say, who was this person? You know, that I don't associate with that anymore. And so some of them have have a real transformation process they have to go through to actually start to identify who they are now and what yes. really is important to them now and, and that reflects in how they want to dress. Right down to the type of fabrics they wear, you know, sort mm -hmm. of the care factor of, of clothes that they have in their wardrobe, the ease of coordination and you know how many clothes they need in their wardrobe again it's interesting the great resignation for people in their careers and that greater flexibility to move around it sounds like some some of those principles could also be applied to the wardrobe <laughs> and what do you need to resign from the wardrobe <laughs> totally totally absolutely you know because women just I, I speak on behalf of women because they are predominantly my clients but women have struggled for so long in dressing for work dressing for the boardroom because you know it's very easy for them to just disappear it's very easy mm. for them to just get swallowed up in a whole room full of suits yes so how do they dress in a way that gives them that confidence that helps them look like they have, hold some authority and you know really projects their their knowledge and experience so that they stand taller they get yes. noticed more they get listened to and you know they can have a presence you know, that's what it's all about because too often I've heard them complain about feeling irrelevant, feeling yes. old-fashioned, feeling drab, feeling ineffectual. These are all the sorts of words that they use to describe how they felt about how they were dressing. So mm -hmm. it's about finding their space, finding their uniqueness and allowing them 
and me finding the special pieces for them to have that really differentiates them and helps them identify with themselves who they are. Yes, that's right. Allow them to shine. Oh, Julie, fabulous conversation here. What are the key things you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? I think is um, don't close your mind off to the opportunities and the possibilities of what a really strategically prepared wardrobe Mm. and appearance can do for you because it is really, really competitive out there, probably even more so now because of Mm. the great resignation, because there's so much movement going on that you only get and it's an old cliche saying, but you you only get a few seconds to make a great impression. And yes. that will never change because we are very visual creatures. We do notice things visually before we actually take on board any other information. Mm-hmm. So you can actually do an awful lot for yourself by, you know, how you dress is part of the whole personal branding package. How yes. you package yourself, it's like when you receive a gift. No, and it's in a box and it's beautifully wrapped it's got a beautiful bow on it yes. and it's like you're so excited to see what's underneath that and what's in that box well it's the mm. same thing when you're meeting people why should yeah. they not oh my goodness what a what a wonderful experience to meet you and then get to know you and that's yeah. what it's all about if yeah. you receive something and it's really horribly presented and you, you really just want to put it to one side and you don't necessarily want to engage with it at all And it's no different when we're Mm. meeting people. It's exactly the same. So do consider how you dress. Do consider that this can be a representation of you as a person, your values, you know, your brand and what's important to you. And that will attract the right people into your space. And is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Well, I do have uh, I do have a webinar which I which I share, which you know women can go to, and that is you know how to dress for boardroom success. You know the frustration and stress of having to do it all by yourself. Mm-hmm. So I think I might have given you that link that you can share with yeah. your community, or they can go to my website. They can read through my website and all the wonderful things that you know I do. Great. Well, look, we'll put a link to both of those things in the show notes. So a link to the webinar and a link to your website so people can easily track you down. Oh, Julie, thank you so much for taking the time to share some of your wisdom with the Take On Board community today. We really appreciate it, both in terms of the wisdom and being able to touch briefly on your board experience as well. So thank you so much for taking the time today. You're very welcome. Thank you, Harriet. It was a pleasure. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together. So I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And, well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.